Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are... The fan upstate, Brandon Keeler sitting in. Can I get an amen? Fantastic to have you guys with us. Rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Truly do appreciate you being with us. You can take part in the show by giving us a call at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844-326-3663. And the carpro.com text line is there for you at 71307. Start your text with the word fan and away you go. Joining us right now, as he does each and every Thursday at this time, is the head coach of the second-rated Furman Paladins in the FCS. This is unbelievable to see, to witness, to hear. Clay Hendricks joins us right now on the show. Coach, what's good? How are you? I'm well, Mark. Just uh, just got off the practice field and... Uh... Had a good week of prep, and uh, she's excited to get to play again. You know, Coach, I've noticed that you always say that, and I, that's not a complaint by me, but I've, I've very seldom heard coaches say their team always practices well. That, to <laughs> me, means you're either being a positive guy, which you are, or it means that you got a special bunch of kids who always bring their lunch pail. Which would you say is it? Well, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I try to be as positive as I can. You know, sometimes I learned, you know, I heard a long time ago, sometimes you're you're positive that you're not very good sometimes. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm positive about that. But I don't know. It's pretty easy with our group. I mean, uh, and I usually get you on Thursday. Thursday's a much lighter day, um, you know, for our guys. But I, I don't know. We just, we have a special kid coach here and, um you know, they're ball bought in, and I can't tell you they're always perfect, but that's why we practice, video it, have meetings, and, and try to make corrections. But, uh, yeah, I think you judge it. What's the effort, what's the effort been like? How's the focus been? Um, and I think those are usually pretty good. That the rest of it takes care of itself. Coach, uh, can you maybe give us an injury update on Tyler Huff? Well, Tyler's, you know, I, somebody asked me, I said he, he's kind of week to week probably won't play this week um you know at shoulder sprain um you know and i think sometimes those things are uh they're different with different people i mean i think tyler's a little more of a 
he's maybe a little of the tougher variety I've been around. So I think probably for him it would be less. Um, you know, we'll get back out first probably next week, reevaluate and see where he is. And uh, But it's really one of those things other than treatment, rest, not a lot you can do for it. Now, Coach, I do want to say this. Um, my my daughters absolutely love Furman. They're listening right now. We are our, we are from Atlanta. And we do have our own college teams. My wife is Clemson. I'm actually a Hawaii fan. However, we have fallen in love with Furman, and I want to say that from my girls to you, they want to say thank you and go Dens. They just they they told me to tell you that. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. You know, I I think we got a lot of things for people to fall in love with. You know, I think you know obviously there's a lot of people in this area who have certainly attachments to local teams, and I totally get that. But I also think Greenville's a place um, where there's a lot of people uh, maybe have no attachment to anybody, but if they do, a lot of them are like you. They're a little farther away. And uh, But I think if you really know what our place is about, what our kids are about, uh, they're a pretty easy bunch. I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm the coach, but we, we, do, the things, we do things the right way. Uh, we got kids that uh, – see the big picture uh, they see the things that are important and you know winning football games is one of those so that it's okay for that to be a be, be high on our list but it's just trying to have your priorities in order and being around a great bunch of kids and they're certainly not perfect like none of us are but uh, but they are a fun bunch to pull forward and, and be with on an everyday basis coach who would you say on your team what player has improved the most from the beginning of the season until now Wow, from the beginning of the season until now. Uh, I may have to think about that one a second. You know, I got asked this week, you know, with, with uh, and, you know, I, I couldn't remember who asked me. And then the person that, that asked me reminded me who it was after they heard me say that it was my brother. <laughs> and what he said, what he had asked me was after August practice, all right, who of the young guys maybe impressed you the most during August? And, uh, and it was pretty easy. I thought I, th- I thought we had a lot of guys did well. It was, it was Carson Jones. It was the backup quarterback. Uh, you know, he's a redshirt freshman. I thought he had a great August. You know, we were high on him all along, but I thought I thought he just uh, just took leaps and bounds. You know, through the summer he worked really hard, and, and then August, and you know, certainly hadn't played a ton this year. But man, he played he played pretty good the other day when when he had to come in and. And, and when when Tyler had to leave the game, and just just proud of him. But you know, I don't. That, that'd really be hard to say. We've got a bunch of guys that you know we're a, a team that plays a lot of players. I think that's been one of our strengths, and that's part of our buy-in. We got kids that know they're going to be in the game. They're invested, and um, you know. So I'd I'd have to give that one some thought before I really gave you a true answer. Now, Coach, you are maybe. Uh, just from how you come off on the air, and I know there's different conversations that take place, but you are the most mild-mannered football coach I've ever come across in my entire life. Can can we role-play here for a minute, and let's say I'm on your team and I'm loafing at practice. What is what does Coach Clay Hendricks say to me? Are you Are you telling me this at practice? Are we having a conversation after practice in your office? Can you bring me into when you've ever had to do something like this? How does your tone change? Like, what, what, how does Coach Hendricks deal with a loafing player at practice? Well, you know, I don't, golly, I don't think we have a lot of those. You know, there, there's certain <laughs> plays, you know, I guess different between taking a playoff here or there. Right. Um, 
I don't, you know, and I probably changed from when I was a position coach. You know, I was an offensive line coach pretty much my entire career. Uh, and so I think sometimes I know this, the seat that I'm in now is a little different than that seat was. Uh, sometimes for the good, sometimes not necessarily for the good. Uh, but, I mean, I had a conversation with one two days ago. Uh, not, maybe not necessarily about the loafing, but I don't know. I, I think it's uh, – you know, our, our kids are ones uh, – you know, I think different kids are motivated a little bit different ways, but I, I don't think sometimes there's a whole lot you're getting out of just – uh, I guess going off on a kid, I, th- I think I always felt like as a, I, I used to tell my offensive line group, I says two ways you're gonna kind of set me off, uh, you know, it's, and 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 it, it's just that it was a lack of effort, you know, if I think the effort wouldn't be there, and then and then and then just really the the focus, you know, there's a, just a focus of of you know what's at stake, what's at hand, and and those type things. But I don't know. I, I don't think I'm necessarily that way. I, I try to be pretty even keel because I think it um, – sometimes I've learned you're better off by trying to diffuse situations. Um, you know, but sometimes, you know, you don't have to say it a certain way to get your point across. And, uh, you know, I think I can be pretty firm or as firm as the next guy. Um, you know, I kind of feel the same way with our coaches and um, – you know, I don't know. It's been, you know, I, I've been around people like that. I, I don't think I've been around a ton of yellers and and that type. I've seen them and I've witnessed them. And I'm not sure you get a whole lot out of that. But there, there is a time when you may have to change the tone of your voice a little bit. Coach Clay Hendricks joins us. Uh, Coach, look, there's some great defense played in this league. Uh, that said, last two games, the offense put up 16 points, 17 points. Um, any concern with the offensive production there? Yeah, I mean, you got to score more points than that. You know, we're in the world we're in right now. Uh, I think each case is a little bit different. You know, I mean, last week I think absolutely uh, there's some things certainly we could have done better. You know, I think that was an odd game. I, I uh, We talk sometimes around here catastrophic plays, and we had about six of them. You know, one of them was Tyler Huff going out of the game. And then, you know, we lose maybe our one of, you know, arguably one of our best defensive players, you know, halfway through the first quarter to a target. And, you know, you've lost those two guys. Uh, you know, we had a – you know, they catch a deflected pass and turn it into a huge play. We give up another one for that. So, um, you know, I think just, just handling those situations. Uh, and, you know, we, we I guess, the, you know, one of the better defensive teams we played and certainly could have played better under the circumstances. I felt a little better about that. And week before, no, I didn't feel like we played well at all. Um and you know what we've been on a it's uh you know somebody used the analogy not long ago. I think sometimes it's hard to have your fastball every week uh and you know you gotta find ways to still go execute and do things you gotta do to get the ball in the end zone uh you know, I think sometimes those are good little wake up calls for you. It's nice to be able to get a wake up call still get a win and and so you know we've we've addressed it, and uh we've played really well at times. I just still kind of waiting for us to play a complete game, you know, really in all phases, but especially on offense. Now, Coach, playing to the level of your opponents is a very real statement. Now, VMI, they are looking to play spoiler. They aren't a pushover. Uh, they started out slow, but they've actually come on strong. How how do you prepare for a team like them that wants to play spoiler against a team like Furman who is looking to win their first outright region and or outright conference since 1990? 
Well, you know, I think you worry about yourself, you know, because end of the day, you know, it's kind of a faceless opponent. Um, you know, it's handling, you know, what they're going to give at you. I, I'm going to be honest. With you, I think we, I think we've gotten everybody's best shot, you know, and I think we've kind of had the bullseye on our back all year. I think we've handled that pretty well. Um, I really, even when I think we hadn't played well uh, a few times or hadn't played as well as we'd like to, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's been a lack of preparation or focus. Now, there's some things certainly we could do better. We could coach better, you know, and certainly that, that starts with me. There have been times we, we didn't put our guys in a good enough position to, to do the things we want them to do. Uh, but, you know, control the things you control. We're still one of the best teams in the country, turnover margin. Uh, you know, we're a team we usually doesn't beat ourselves with penalties and, you know, missed assignments. We've been pretty solid in that area. It's just I'd, I'd like to just be a little more explosive. We got we got talented enough guys that we need to we need to be better at catch, catch and run. Uh, you know, uh, we got to be really we got to play really well up front and and you know pushing piles and creating some more explosion plays and and I think we've done a really good job on the defense side of the ball. So um, you know, I guess maybe if we'd maxed out, I'd probably be a little more concerned. But we're not. We're still kind of a work in progress. And uh, you know, I, I I just told him tonight. You know, we're our, our goal is to go play our best game. And uh, you know, again, doesn't matter doesn't matter who we're playing against. Coach, uh, in the FBS ranks, year in and year out, it's always the SEC that's regarded as the top dog. The SEC that puts more players in the NFL than any other conference. Where is the Southern Conference among the consensus of FCS media in terms of the hierarchy of FCS conferences? Oh, well, I guess it depends which ones you ask, you know. I mean, there's some really good leagues in our team. We're one of them, you know. I mean, I really think, you know, Mark, I've gone through this season, probably five teams in our league. I, I think – I just don't think there's that much difference between some people, uh, you know, and there's some teams that are really talented, uh, and I think you can say the same thing, you know, for a few other leagues. I think you look at uh, some of the, some of the things the Big Sky have done. The Missouri Valley, you know, has had to run with North Dakota State, now South Dakota State. Uh, you know, they don't, you know, typically a lot of them don't play FBS games. When they do, they're not playing SEC, ACC teams. You know, they're playing Mountain West, you know, some MAC-type schools, those, you know, and, and then um, – you know, so I, I don't know. They, that gets thrown around a little bit. Uh, you know, I think if you look at our track record as a league, if you compared them to a few of those leagues, Missouri Valley hadn't been around that long, but even the CAA, uh, you know, we played one of their best teams a year ago here in the first round. And, you know, we stacked up stacked up pretty well with them. So um, I think it's all pretty competitive. You hope in the playoffs you get a chance to settle some of those discussions. And, you know, but you're going to have to go – those two leagues, you're going to go through some of their guys to get there. Uh, they seem, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe a few more times than not, get a little more of a benefit of the doubt in the playoff stuff when it's down to a couple of teams with similar records. They seem to have had a little bit of a an edge when it comes to getting those last few spots. But, again, you, you want to get in situations where you can go to head-to-head and you want to go try to go win. And it would be nice if you play a few of those at home. They have a – you know, you play a bunch of those teams, you're going to play in December in a really tough environment, both weather and, you know, they probably, from a home setting, have have some of the more challenging places to go play. 
Coach Clay Hendricks of the number two ranked Furman Paladins, FU one time, FU two times, FU three times, FU all the time, hosting VMI this weekend, the second to last game of the regular season before the postseason bound Furman Paladins do their thing. Uh, Coach, last one for you here. Um, have you guys spoken to Bob Ritchie, et cetera, at all about just how special this era of Furman athletics is? And how about the resiliency of a school like Furman who was hit really hard financially by the pandemic to rubber band this thing and be, you know, producing some historic seasons both on the uh, gridiron and the hardwood so soon after such a traumatic event? Well, I mean, it's certainly a, a testament to, to Furman and, and leadership here. I think, uh, you know, I know Bob and them have a big, big game tomorrow night. We'll try to get our guys over there for at least a bit of it, you know, because uh, I certainly want to support them. And, uh, you know, I've been here since 1982, or off and on. So I came here first in 1982, and Furman had had a really good run basketball in the 70s. And by the time I got here, it wasn't very good. Uh, you know, and, and for a number of years, we had some times in there. But it is a pretty unique time. I read an article, and I think Monty Dutton wrote. Monty's, you know, longtime Furman guy, has a great perspective on things. And, you know, I, I don't know. I told our team this is kind of like the, you know, we've been having a pretty good little run ourselves. I was here when we had the run, probably 88, we won the national championship, 89. I thought we had the best, one of the best teams ever here. And then 90 was the last, you know, as you said, I think we won outright championships all three years. Uh, and I remember kind of what that was like. And, and it's been, that's been a while, you know, and here we are again. I, you know, one thing I want our kids to do is we talk a lot about embracing the journey, you know, you, games will come and go. And I mean, that one last week, they're going to remember that was a, that was an incredible win for us, the way it all kind of went down, but they'll remember that, but you know, embracing the journey. And I think if you're a Furman fan, uh, I think it's a pretty special time to be embracing, you know, and because I promise you, it, it can't stay like that forever. It just won't. That's just the way the world works. But uh, but while it's going pretty good, let's all enjoy it, you know. And I'd love to get a ton of people out here in our stadium and on Saturday and and this stretch, you know, we're going to be we know we'll be playing again, and uh, and then certainly the same thing for our basketball program and uh, even even. Uh, even our women's team got a great guy off to a great start. So it, it's fun time to be a, be a Furman athletic supporter and uh, shoot, let's enjoy it. Furman takes on VMI this coming Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Kickoff in the early afternoon. Now, remind me, Coach, the kickoff moved up on this a little bit to a one thirty kick. Is that right? It did. It moved up to actually moved back because originally it was one one o'clock kickoff. So the time change. So it's a one thirty kickoff. There you go. I think there are a few people wanting a little more time to tailgate. I think that's great. It is senior day. Yes, uh, sir. We'll get to recognize that group. Uh, Get your tickets now. Support. Uh, Look, folks, it's been a down year for Clemson, down year for South Carolina, but it's been a historic year for Furman. So get behind the feel-good story in the upstate Greenville's team, the Furman Paladins against VMI this Saturday. Also can be heard right here on the Fan Upstate coverage beginning at noon. Coach, we're pulling for you as we always do, my friend. Go get them on Saturday. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. I look forward to it. All right. Take care, Coach Clay Hendricks of the Furman Paladins. That's the best ticket in town, guys. It's the best ticket in town. Okay. Clemson, Georgia Tech versus Furman VMI. Give me Furman VMI. 
South Carolina versus Vanderbilt. Give me Furman VMI. Best ticket in town, period, end of story. Thanks for playing. All right, my friends, coming up next, how did the Carolina Panthers wind up where they are? One and eight, odds on favor to lose the number one pick in the draft because it belongs to Chicago. We'll talk about this and so much more with J.J. Hardy from Panthers Culture next here on Offsides, the Fan Upstate. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture, joins us right now. Uh, This game tonight, J.J., feels like it's the Bad News Bears, literally, against the Island of Misfit Toys, the, the Carolina Panthers. And we've got this weird dynamic where... If if Chicago beats Carolina, their Carolina draft pick gets better. Uh, JJ, in uh, in a minute or two or less, how did we get up? How did we end up here? I'll keep it less than a minute. We we got here because of Dave Tepper. Okay, that's how we, that's how we ended up here. Okay, so you have been very outspoken, and I've enjoyed your commentary this week, uh, JJ, because. You know, a lot of people that have fan sites like yours, they just always homer it up for the team. That's not our brand. Mm-hmm. That's not your brand. Now, you don't know this, but that's one of the main reasons I asked you to come on because I just wanted somebody that would, that would keep it real and, you know, not blow smoke up everybody's skirts. So can you speak to, you know, like the fact that this team made the playoffs four years out of five before Tepper took over, hasn't made the playoffs a single time with David Tepper, like there, I don't believe in coincidences. There's a reason for that. So, what is he doing to napalm his own operation? I think Dave Tepper, just like any new leader, when taking over from the former leader, I think they're over eager to put their own fingerprint on the thing that they bought or the organization that they took over, and Dave Tepper wanted to come in and establish whatever football culture that he felt was appropriate that would be separate from Jerry Richardson, you know, rest in peace. Um, 
And in doing so, I think he wanted to take the same hedge fund manager approach that made him his richest and apply it to a football organization. And I think when you like when you are in the in the market, you know, to the buy you know, to buy the press goods or things that nobody has found out about yet, you want to be early to it. I think in football that's a that's a that's a risky approach, right? Because football is is a game that's won by coaches um, who have a lot of football experience at the level that they're coaching at, and general managers who have a lot of experience being able to assess and acquire talent. You know that's right for the NFL, and I think Dave Tepper, when he fired Ron Rivera, a true football man. Um, NFL football man, former player, had been a successful coach here in Carolina. I think when he did that, his next step that he made after that was the beginning of what we're experiencing now. And that step was keeping Marty Herney and then setting out to find a new head coach and then choosing Matt Rule, who didn't have a lot of or hardly any NFL experience. And even though he had some success in college, you know, those college-type coaches aren't always successful at the NFL level, don't really know what it takes to win at the NFL level. And because he didn't have a big Rolodex of NFL names that he could bring along with him, experience-wise, to help him along, I think we had ourselves in a situation where the blind was kind of leading the blind um, with the head coach trying to establish a culture for an owner who didn't really know how to establish a culture and, you know, without going through everything that happened from January 2020 up until now, there has been so many missteps made by Dave Tepper in terms of his coaching hire, um, then getting rid of Marty Herney, coming in and, and pairing Scott Fitterer, a guy who they hired, uh, basically because he could be really, really compatible with a head coach who wanted to make the decision. And those decisions that were made by those two men, Matt Rule and, and Scott Fitterer, has built this sorry roster that we have now that lacks depth, that lacks elite talent um, on either side of the football. And, you know, he found that out last year when he fired Matt Rule, but then he kept the GM who he had paired with Matt Rule. And so then he go out and let that GM find his next head coach, and that head coach, you know, who had been a retread, and I like Frank Wright. I think he's a great man, um, but he was just fired from Indianapolis. And I think Dave Tepper took the cheap route, you know, to be honest. I don't know contract details and things like that, but I think Dave Tepper was like, okay, I got an experienced man that's sitting here in North Carolina and Frank Wright. He probably won't cost as much because the coach still owe him from the contract that they gave him. And that would kind of offset what I wasted with Matt Rule. And I think he went with that versus probably being a little bit more aggressive in the coaching search. And now we are stuck with whoever Frank Wright is and whatever, you know, he generates energy-wise for this team. I think, you know, who we have at quarterback was, you know, the safe pick for that group of uh, people, the GM, the coach, because I think they felt like they needed to play it safe with this owner because everything about him says that I'm not going to be patient with you if you don't win and if you don't get it right. So I think the culture of not being able to take risk and, and go out and get the, the, the really good talent, take risk on that talent, 
for the fear that you're going to be obliterated by the by the owner and lose your job. I think that has created like this really really misaligned football organization and football culture here in Carolina that we can't trust week to week. Sorry for all that, but I had to get it out. No, listen, no, like like that's that answer, JJ, is what we're looking for. You know, like if somebody asks you, how are we, how did we end up here, right? Like that to me is a great example, is a great explanation for the why. And you've, you've walked us through the steps really nicely, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you've been talking to Tyler from Spartanburg who undressed Dabo Sweeney in much the same way a few weeks ago there, uh, JJ. In your mind, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, put on your <laughs> prediction hat here for just a minute. How long do okay. you believe that Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich will be around in Carolina? Obviously, David Tepper's not going anywhere. He's the owner of the team. It's really difficult to uh, – to, to switch ownership, they don't sell the teams very often. So we're kind of stuck with David Tepper for a while. But what you know about David Tepper and his uh, his desire to to make Jerry Jones look like a hands-off, laissez-faire type of owner uh, with, with how involved he is, how long do you think he leaves those two guys in place? I have to separate what I want from what I believe, right? What I want is for him to at least address the, the general manager situation. I would like for him to 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 relieve, I hate saying fire, to relieve Scott Fitter of his duties so at least you can have a different plan for how you're going to build this roster around your hopefully franchise quarterback in Bryce Young, right? Uh, I don't think he would be able to endure this losing season if it, in fact, becomes a losing season, which it feels that way. I don't think he can have this type of losing season and keep the general manager and the head coach. But because whatever he told Frank Wright when he hired him, I don't know if he's going to fire Frank Wright in just a year or less because I think it's two things that you have to consider with that. I think if you fire him after only a year, then that sends out this mega blasted signal to any potential coach who will replace him that, hey, look, I won't have any stability there in Carolina if I take a job there. So I think he has to at least stick with Frank for another year, but I don't think he has to stick with Scott because this would be Scott's third season. And he can easily look at the roster and say, well, I can't expect Frank Wright to be any better than he was when I had trusted Scott Fitterer to build a roster for him. And the roster and the talent that we have on the roster is the problem, not who Frank Wright is as a coach. J.J. Hardy, Panthers Culture on Twitter, joining us here on the show. Uh, J.J., there is a championship GPA, right? Four key pillars of Super Bowl winning teams. Uh, they have a, a grade as close as possible to an A at owner, general manager, coach, and quarterback. Now, you're about to chuckle because I'm about to ask you to do that for Carolina, okay? Let me share my grades with you. Dave Tepper, F. Scott Fitterer, D. Frank Reich, C. Bryce Young, it's really incomplete, but what I've seen thus far is about a C-. minus. So I've got an F, a D, uh, a C, 
and a C minus. So around, carry the two, drop the one. Uh, we are looking at about a 1.7 championship GPA for the Carolina Panthers. Where do you come out on the championship GPA? With David Tepper, I'm with you with an F. With Scott Fitterer, I have to give him an F as well. <laughs> when it comes to Frank Wright, C minus. Okay. When it comes to Bryce Young, he's right there at about a C, C minus as well. Probably a D plus right now. And that's no knock on him. I'm just saying based on what we see performance wise, um, and I'm thinking I'm still filling those two pick sixes too. You just uh, gave the Carolina Panthers yeah. under a 1.0 GPA. And we're one, we're one and seven, so I think it's I think it's commensurate to our record, right? Yeah, JJ, you know I I was setting up for the show uh, that's going to air here in about uh, about an hour and a half, and you know it really depressed me to start thinking that the Carolina Panthers are currently tanking for the second round of the NFL draft next year. Now, baby. yeah, I mean, it's it's obvious that they're not going to go quarterback, even if they wanted to draft somebody who would have a complimentary skill set to back up Bryce Young. It's obvious they're not going to go there. Uh, and in the mock draft that I looked at earlier today, they've got uh, Tez Walker from North Carolina as the pick where Carolina, where the Panthers would go in your mind. I mean, there's so many glaring deficiencies on the offensive side of the football for the Carolina Panthers. Is it a foregone conclusion that wide receiver is number one, or should they be building from the ground up and starting with the best offensive lineman they can get? In my opinion, if I was a general manager and knowing that I just picked a quarterback with the number one overall pick and seeing how he's been basically hit on every other drop back, it seems, throughout the year so far. Although I would want one of the better receivers in the draft, I think to protect my asset, my five foot ten, two hundred pound quarterback, I would have to fortify the offensive line. Because right now we've heard Thomas Brown and, and Frank Wright, they, they both have mentioned how the blocking scheme that we use now, Carolina has a zone blocking scheme. And at least three of our offensive linemen, when you look at Ike Aquanu, um, Bozeman, and whoever they put in at left guard, I think all those guys are pretty much power, power um, blocking um, offensive linemen. So we need to find offensive linemen who are really good at zone blocking and zone blocking concepts um, to be able to block in space and protect Bryce Young. So I think that's really probably number one. And honestly, the way I've been thinking about it, you have to at least get uh, a top left guard or you can get, if somehow one falls into your lap, a left tackle who may be a better pass blocking left tackle than Ike Aquanu and possibly look and see if you can convert him to a left guard. So, so that's that's where I'm at with it. So what you're saying is Scott Fitterer is going to draft one heck of a punter with pick number 33. <laughs> Please let Scott Fitterer be gone if we have to make any. 
decisions for this team going forward because I don't like, – your joke about that is so scary to me. <laughs> he's not He's not seeing the humor in that joke at all. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that joke is a little too real. They say there's some truth in jokes, man, but uh, that one's a little too real for J.J. J.J., so yeah, here, yeah. here we yeah. go, man. Um, J.J., you told us before the season began that the Carolina Panthers would be 10-7. and seven. They're now 1-7, which the good news is that means they're about to go on a nine-game winning streak, J.J., nine Absolutely. games Absolutely. because you yeah. are going to be proven prophetic sir okay <laughs> so if they were to go on a winning streak what what has happened here like how do they get the ball rolling in the right direction given what you've seen god himself stepped down and became our general manager <laughs> Ah, I mean, this is what I mean. This is this is the comedy tour that is the Carolina Panthers right now. These are realistic answers to fair questions. You know, God himself, I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger. Do you get the sense, JJ? I mean, are, are other Carolina Panthers fans as fed up as you are? In some cases, more, um, honestly, because I think for a lot of them, a, a lot of the fans are so much more, not just emotionally invested, they are financially invested, right? You know, you got uh, private seat license holders, you know, who, you know, they, they're at every game, you know, they're so hopeful for a turnaround. They've been doing this, you know, for the last five seasons, you know, and, and hopeful every year that it's going to be the year. And then every year they are let down by showing up at the stadium, you know, probably by week five or six, you know, the season already feels like it's over with the stadium up there at Bank of America is being overrun with visiting fans, you know, juggling and chanting. And the last time I was at a game up there in Charlotte, when it was third down for um, the Carolina Panthers, like the visiting fans were so chaotic, like, and we couldn't get them to calm down. And like, they were so disruptive and causing chaos for our home team and as the fans who show up and pay that money hundreds and hundreds of dollars every weekend um you know to see that team and see these these poor performances regardless whoever is at quarterback regardless who's that head coach i think for them i think they're a little bit more fed up than i am and i'm very fed up but i think for the for the people who actually make the sacrifices to drive to the stadium you know, to go through all they go through at the games and, you know, to, to just see a bad product every Sunday, I think for them it's so much more worse. And, um, and it, like I said, it's bad for me, but because I stay so far away, I'm not able to get to as many games. But you know, the ones who go, yeah, I just feel for those people. His name is J.J. Hardy, Panthers Culture. J.J., where are you, if you don't mind me asking? I live in the metro Atlanta area. Okay, very, very cool. So, um, so, yeah, so when I come up, it's about a four-hour drive. But, gotcha. you know, Mama lives an hour from Charlotte. You know, she lives right there in, in Union County. So um, so it's, it's an easy jump over to, to Charlotte when I come home. But right now, based on my career, I, I reside in, in Makes sense. Atlanta, Makes metro. perfect sense. Your fandom does not need a territory. Uh, J.J. Hardy, nah. Panthers culture, great stuff as always, pal. Looking forward to talking with you next week. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Take care. All right, J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture.
Mark, you know how there was this period of time, I think it was a couple of years ago, where people were dressing up like clowns and they were scaring everybody out? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> this particular individual had to call 911 because she saw clowns coming into her house, like home invasions. And she called 911. It ended up uh, ending not the way you think. So take a listen. There's a clown inside, like an actual clown inside the house right now. Do you know who it is? No. Is there anybody else in the si- inside with him? He, um, my son's parents. Okay. Just get here as fast as you can, please. We're okay. We're just playing a joke. Sorry, they called you. Oh, okay. Yeah, they called 911. <laughs> Glad to know my daughter had a friend on the phone. I'm sorry. Could you imagine the amount of fear? Now, I have, it's called chlorophobia, which is a perpetual fear of clowns. I am deathly afraid of clowns thanks to the movie It. But, oh, my God, could you imagine how scared this girl was? So, uh, yes, I can. And, uh, Brandon, when I was a teacher, okay, this happened. uh, Got in a little bit of trouble of it. I'm lucky I didn't get in more trouble of it. We did, like, I did the TV show for the high school, right? Uh So we did a, a little deal where... We uh, we had one kid dress up in a clown costume, mm-hmm. and the idea was he would like barge into other classrooms and scare the teacher. And oh scare my the gosh! Kids. And I was following them around and watching them do this. And then I got a call from the assistant principal. Is this affiliated with your class, Mr. Ryan? <laughs> the, the clowns. Whoops. We just want to make sure that no one broke into the school with a gun. Uh, but the kids and the, some of the teachers were like jumping and screaming and everything, <laughs> and it was all for Halloween. And uh, not my wisest move as a high school teacher, to say the least. They told me, yeah, Mark, it was funny. Never do it again. Yeah. Okay. Always. I've always been on team. Better to ask forgiveness than permission. We'll see you guys tomorrow right here. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.